0: Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I am Nick Axelrod, Welk, and I am joined by Diamond Kriegbaum, a.k.a. Annie Kriegbaum, a.k.a. Annie Kriegbaum, depending on which part of Germany you're from. Mm -hmm. And not only is Annie a friend, not only was she a colleague, not only is she my podcast you know, co-host in arms, she was also my dog sitter. Yes. It's true. While we were out of town for Christmas, Annie decamped from New York to the sunny hills of Los Angeles to take care of Jean, the 50-pound, very severely attached standard
1: poodle that we have. Yeah, I'm not her doctor, but I am her house sitter, and she does have severe um, attachment issues.
0: She headbutts you if you try to stop petting her.
1: She doesn't headbutt; she punches me in the stomach. Like she is very—that's a strong, strong dog. She's a standard poodle. She punches a on. sp-
0: Number one, I just wanted to make sure you want to use the word punch because now we're talking about um, violence.
1: I think she she goes shark eyes and she when she wants something and you're not giving it to her mainly being your hand like petting her mm-hmm. food she's okay with food she just gets barky about food she loves taking yeah. up the whole bed yes didn't go into her crate once i don't even know why you guys have that
0: here's what can i say <laughs> can i just say one thing about beds evie has been free range for the last few months because she's now in a big girl bed. And last night she came into our bed at some point I was asleep. And at 1am I woke up and Jean had taken up like the lower full lower third of the bed. Evie had been sleeping horizontally, you know, on the upper third Casey was sort of like, we were like head to toe. <laughs> like he was like, it was, I was like, what is my life at this point? I don't even get to sleep in my own bed.
1: Is the idea that Evie will eventually stop coming upstairs into bed with you, or how does that work?
0: I mean, the only uh, did I did I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast, but there's this like I guess a parenting theory with sleep training at this point, which is called like the night of a thousand steps, and it's when you like keep on just walking silently walking them back down to their bedroom or back to their bed. And they can keep on coming to you, but then you keep on taking them back to their bed. We tried that a few times, but it's so torturous because it's not like you're in a great place when you're doing this at like 1 a.m. And all you want to do is go back to bed. Like you've been woken up out of slumber by like the piercing cry of a two-year-old.
1: So what happens if she continues to sleep in your bed with you?
0: I mean... I, you, know what, you know what my Roman Empire is? My Roman Empire is that Coco Austin breastfed her daughter Chanel until she was five years old.
1: <laughs> Coco Austin. Um, Ice Teas. Wife. One of the premier parenting influencers.
0: Yes. She breastfed their daughter, who is a spitting image of her father, until she was five years old.
1: That's very like, crunchy of her.
0: Yeah, like shocking. Well, she's so. yeah, she's kind of an almond mom, that Coco. When That's I an almond well,
1: mom behavior, no, almond I'm, mom behavior is Yolanda Hadid.
0: When you like, will your children to have Lyme she, disease? Is,
1: is she not the original almond mom? That's like where I don't. Is that where it came from? Yeah, I think it. I think it originated from the episode of Beverly Hills when Gigi was like. Mom, I just got home from volleyball practice. I'm so hungry and there's nothing in this clear refrigerator. And then Yolanda was like, no, Gigi, you have a party later. Just have an almond and chew it for one minute before swallowing. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe that is where that came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to interview Coco Austin. I've wanted to for years. I used to try to email her publicist when I had a talk show on Yahoo Style. And I would email the publicist who did not seem like a real publicist, probably the same publicist who represents like James Kennedy. Like it was like that kind of publicist. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like...
1: They had a gmail.com email. <laughs> job.
0: No, it was just like, it was like dmoney at publicityworldwide.net or something. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. They never wrote back. And I was like, is, is Coco Austin getting that many press requests that she like is not going to write back to mine? And also, speaking of- You have to remember, Neg, like, who... you're a nobody in their world. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But here's another thing. Talk about nobody. Speaking of Neg's that I've gotten as an interviewer, guess who else mm-hmm. passed? On the opportunity.
1: I can only imagine. Miss Piggy. Bitch.
0: I know. Politely passed.
1: Miss Piggy, what what are her redeeming qualities? Just being like glam and without with no apology? Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's she sort kind of like you know that TikToker? abusive
1: to, to Kermit. Yeah. She Do you know that
0: TikToker H R H collection?
1: No, you know I don't.
0: Who's just like this sort of like insufferable <laughs> character that this girl plays where she's just sort of like blonde and wants to be thin. She's like, if you're fat, just like shut up. Just like shut up. Like, you never seen her? No, No. Oh, anyway, I feel like she's kind of like Miss Piggy vibes. Oh. Miss Piggy vibes, another slur that sounds like another yeah, slur. Mid-
1: Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy loves if piggy I if. if OK, but type.
0: if you were called someone who gave off Miss Piggy vibes, would you think that was a compliment?
1: No, there was, a like sixth you know, Annie, teacher. that like Miss Piggy esque. <laughs> no, there was a I there was a sixth grade teacher who. She had trotters, let's just say she had what some that trotters. <laughs> She her feet were so fucked, and she was so. She was. I feel like this should be a behind a paywall. She was. She was pig slur. She was Miss Piggy vibes, one thousand. But I. I mean, it's been a, so long since I've entered the Muppet verse, and I. I. I have to assume that they're that we like miss picky for a lot of i can only recall her being a nuisance and being like a narcissist right now but
0: speaking of which do you know who oh right her whole thing is like moi Moi. you know who is a genius who does not get nearly as much respect as they should and who walter isaacson should 100 percent write his next biography about jim henson
1: oh yeah
0: jim henson came up with the muppets Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, and probably something else. I feel like he did.
1: The Muppets and Sesame Street are related? Yes. Oh, I thought it was like Marvel, DC. Like they Mm -mm. were like.
0: Nuh-uh, sweetie. He did the Muppets and then he did.
1: Can I just say as a filmmaker, there's nothing I love more than practical effects.
0: Yeah, he did the Muppets. He did the movie Labyrinth labyrinth yeah he i told you he did fraggle and then uh, have you tried to
1: uh, muppet pill evie yet because like i can't stand that weird disney show that she watches where it's like mickey and minnie but they're in 3d it's like not it's not canon let's try getting her on some sesame street i mean i don't want to tell you how to parent but
0: (laughs) what hold on what happened? I'm reading about like, did you know that Jim Henson,
1: what the fuck? That a very, what is there a lot of tragedy? He just,
0: he died from pneumonia.
1: Oh, a lot of people die from pneumonia. My mom's always but, like, you're going to get pneumonia and die. Wow.
0: He, oh, he also did Muppet Babies.
1: Oh, I mean, that is a 2D show that makes <laughs> makes you wonder why they ever went in three dimensions
0: i mean when you can do all of that just with your hands that's genius yeah here's something for you guess where the muppets first debuted dallas no snl huh.
1: <laughs> why'd you say it was for me you because i just SNL thought that had? was
0: interesting yeah
1: SNL is having an interesting era right now.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: They're not killing it on all fronts, but then they have Bo and Yang, and I do think that Che and Colin are good weekend update hosts. You know what? I did take your advice and I listened to the podcast, Babe? Question mark. Yeah.
0: What and you think?
1: because I'm a Lars Marie Sh- Shonals. Shane Yeah, I think so. Shane-Hulls major major fan and i know she has a deep deep library to explore of content like i didn't even know she she had like youtube viral youtubes she had i knew she had a podcast before um sup Mm -hmm. Um, sexy unique podcast sexy unique podcast but i didn't know that it was called babe and i listened to a few episodes and it is it's a knee slopper. It's,
0: it's hysterical, good. right? It's yeah, so good. it's Lara Marie Shane Halls, who is the co host of Sexy Unique podcast now. But before that, she had a podcast originally with Ryan O'Connell, the writer performer who created that Netflix show special about okay, it's like so, semi autobiographical uh, TV show about him, about a young writer with cerebral palsy. Okay. Anyway, it's fucking hysterical.
1: It's really, really good. It's really good. Baid, so that's with a question that's mark. Our, One of our products that we'll recommend this week. Yes. Um, what else? Oh, I did go to. I did go to Contraposto.
0: Annie Just, came to Contraposto, Casey's new practice, and what was your if you had to sum it up in three words, what would you
1: say? I'm gonna give my live Google review. Okay. Also, I think it's important to note that I went to fresh from the plane. I was like, do not pass go. Do not collect $100. Go straight to get your face fixed. Yep. And so I went – well, and I discovered that the placeholder website has placeholder copy for the address. So that that caused a little bit of a delay. <laughs> I did end up getting to the location. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. I had been before it was – Built out, but now there's furniture, there's art, there's stainless, there's a toilet with corners, which I love. I think it's really cheap. It's like a
0: square toilet, kind of. That sounds bad, but it's good.
1: It's good. And then there's like a a running pond with, is that bamboo that's coming out of the pond?
0: Papyrus, very close.
1: Papyrus, papyrus, interesting. It can
0: grow underwater, Um, which is a crazy thing.
1: It's, Breathtaking upon first glance, and but more and importantly,
0: then, how was the how was the service? How were the services?
1: So one thing that you need to know about Casey Axelrod Welk, or do you, does he go by Welk Axelrod? Yeah no
0: <laughs> <laughs> Axelrod Welk is it.
1: okay, so is Bedside Manor I'm gonna have to give an eleven out of ten. what? so he did some very Commendable volunteer work back in the day, which I think makes suits. It makes him his presence, his the way he talks to patients, clients, his everything, just so kind and like just makes you feel safe. And I think that's so important when you're about to get your face like pumped up with and it hurts all sorts of toxins. And it hurts so bad and I'm so scared of needles. I did take a colanopin. I forgot that I increased my dose of colonopin by double. So I get there. It, I didn't pass out this time from the Botox, the needles. I did, he did my forehead. I cannot move it right now, but he said he was happy with that. So we love, it didn't But you drop can move it,
0: that's the thing. Yeah, like that's the movement he wants.
1: But he told me not to do that.
0: Yeah, don't do that, but just I know have, that you can.
1: I basically, if my if I had a six-pack on my body, it would be my forehead. I have very strong eyebrows, not only in volume, but in the muscle. I have a caveman chromagnum forehead that is very hard to freeze. So I can still move it, but it's very smooth. Then I got cat eye Botox, which lifts... The outer corners of your eyes and makes you look more awake love it had it before by him always doing cat eye botox then he did botox on the sides underneath like where the hollows of your cheeks would be called talk and he, it's called tox tight and it makes your face just look like, like snatched. like you know like you yeah. know the girls like me with wider bottom halves of their face know you kind of want to like not suck it you in want but you all face like, you kind of like pinch the sides of your mouth between your bottom, between your teeth, like, you know, when you want to look a little like, like, you know, yep. like a little like, and this makes you feel like that 24-7. And then I have a very expressive neck, so he paralyzed my neck muscles, and now I just feel serene, gorgeous. Um, oh, his assistant, love her.
0: Oh my we god, she's her. the chicest coolest person alive, Jenny.
1: Yeah, like I'm like oh, what else do we love about Contraposto? The ch- even the chair was really nice. Like it was Yeah.
0: Every thought, you it, know, we uh, thought it we we well, I I it's either your taste or it's not, but I will say that having worked on every single aspect of it, like in terms of the physical space with Courtney Applebaum, like we've like every single thing, every like Napkin, tissue, like tray, like light switch, yeah. like I wanted, like every single. I wanted it to be the kind of place, and this is not everything I've ever done is like this, but like for this execution, I thought it just needed to be the kind of brand and like vibe that every single thing was like heavy and expensive feeling, and like made you. I feel loved the lights like were having, and yeah. Those are amazing. They're they are from button. this place called Forbes and Lomax, which is I guess a, a British like all they do is make like light switches in the UK and there's like a long lead time. I a specialist. Um but they're like incredible. They're like old fat old timey button yeah, light switches mm-hmm. and like like toggles. Even the little
1: handheld mirror he gave to Thank
0: you. Yep.
1: It's vintage. Where did you get it? First is
0: Sweden, yeah.
1: Sweden and it's the other like thing I love about Swedish. Casey is so he takes these like photos of your face beforehand and then he takes out his like protractor and he does like the plastic surgeon math and like then he'll come over and he'll like you know put his hand like nicely on he'll like your hand in your and in, in his and he'll say Annie I mean I I did the math and I crunched the numbers and Mathematically speaking, you are perfect, so there's really not much to do. And so I like that he approaches it from like a scientific standpoint, yeah. where he's like, you literally have like they've done studies like when in, with like the Mona Lisa, like the David, like all the perfect like examples of beauty in the world, like have these same ratios, and like you yeah. are basically that. And so and it's it's um, funny
0: too because like when he told me about it he was like i'm gonna take her down to the studs and we're just gonna start fresh <laughs> it's gonna be like he called it like a gut renovation that's what he said <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did take out some of my guts he was like this is way but he was like this is the next olympic.' they're not even really talking about this yet <laughs> And he was like, there's no, I was like, is there going to be any downtime? And he was like, babe, like, what are you doing? You're alone on Christmas. Like, <laughs> like you, literally you're gonna, you've you're be, got, sweetie, you got. Know <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: OK, I have a question. Speaking of which, how was being some people would find it depressing to be alone on Christmas. I've spent holidays alone, including Christmas because I'm Jewish. But how did you find solitude on Christmas Day?
1: I found it well at the risk of upsetting my mom because it's not about not wanting to be with my mom. Of course, I would be with her right now if I could. But I love being alone. I love being alone. I love just, especially at a time of year where it feels like everybody else is occupied. Which is, I think, why some people thrive during COVID. And you know, like I think it's it's a weird feeling, but it's if you can get yourself in that headspace where you're alone and you just have, I mean, that's why I did it. I went, Nick and Casey were out of town. I was able to have like this really amazing house with like a gorgeous, gorgeous doggy by myself. And I, and I had to get some work done. I had to get some like heads down work done. And that's what I did. And it was like, I couldn't have, I honestly, it was like the best Christmas present I could have like given myself.
0: Um, That's beautiful. Can we do a, a little celeb segment stars they're just they're kind of like us yeah okay welcome happy release from jail to one gypsy rose blanchard if (laughs) you're doing
1: celebs
0: (laughs) she is i mean she's a celeb (laughs) to me if you don't know who gypsy rose blanchard is by name you'll know her by story which is she was the daughter of this woman who had munchausen syndrome by proxy which is when you essentially like force all of these tests and uh, it's the ultimate diagnose. Element. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, so, uh, what's funny is that speaking of Yolanda Hadid, Lisa Rinna famously accused Yolanda Hadid of having this, mm. which is when you basically like think and then project all of these illnesses and symptoms onto someone. Else. Oh, by proxy, is someone else, but Munchausen syndrome by itself is on yourself but you like submit to all of these tests. You sometimes even take, you know, take medicines or something to like cause symptoms Mm -hmm. so that you're validated in the belief that you have this thing. But Gypsy Rose's mom uh, was essentially like drugging her um, to seem disabled and they like got to make a wish house and reaping the benefits. Like they got a brand new house and they got on all these TV shows. Long story short, Gypsy like Rose I think is to like Disney World. Yeah, like make like Leah, all that stuff. Long story short, Gypsy Rose gets a boyfriend on the internet at like age. I don't want to say like seventeen. They plot. She a murder. was like she was an
1: adult, but also I guess the other thing is stay quiet about her age. She was she was Correct. her mom always seemed, like younger than she was, so that they and kept continue. her in a
0: wheelchair and like kept her on weird medications like for like her heart.
1: Really like, gross. yeah,
0: like on these like crazy glasses saying she couldn't see, but like she could anyway, but, the, but this poor, this poor kid didn't know that she could.
1: But you know what a munchausen mom can't stop? What? A horny teenager. That's exactly, exactly. what she got.
0: So Gypsy Rose finds a boyfriend on the internet. Uh, she and the boyfriend named Nicholas John plot the murder of the mother they killed, they, they stabbed the mother to death and try to flee and they don't last very long and they get arrested. In 2016, she pleads, I think pleads guilty uh, to second degree murder and spe- was sentenced to 10 years in prison, which I think was insane considering that she was the victim in a lot of ways, but I guess you have to give her some time. Behind bars for killing someone. Well, it's
1: a shame that there's not a different place they could have sent her. You know, for like real rehab. It's like that other girl that like killed her, which I don't think she should have been sent away at all. But it was like that other girl that killed her like captor and like her pimp. And then I mean, it's to so her.
0: horrible. Her. It, this is a New York Times article that came out. You know, that was refreshed. I think given the fact that she's just been released from prison after I think eight of the ten years, seven of the ten years that she served was that her mom was abusing her physically, mentally, giving her medication, having her go through procedures she didn't need to the point where most of Gypsy's teeth are not even hers because of the medication that her mom gave her was giving her uh that things that made her teeth fall out. But all of this said, you'd think that she would still be I don't know, angry, you know, what twisted whatever, but Gypsy Rose gave an interview to People magazine saying that she like her mother was a sick woman and she was, and unfortunately she wasn't educated enough to see that, but you know, she didn't deserve to die and she deserved to be in jail. And, you know, she takes response, full responsibility for what she did, but she is kind Clean. of become a little bit of like a cult icon. Yeah. Because you kind of can't blame her for, she was, she was essentially like a prisoner of her mom. Uh, mm-hmm. And she had, she did what she had to do with her boyfriend And now she's going to be walking among us. She's getting out,
1: and we're excited to announce
0: she's just been signed by IMG.
1: She's just been signed by IMG, and she, yeah, she's the new face of Dior Savage.
0: Oh, I mean, someone is, you know, who's like who Demna? Demna would do it.
1: Have Gypsy Rose,
0: yeah, like walk Balenciaga. Don't you think?
1: I think we should just leave her alone and let her like we we can't now start a different trauma with her like we cannot we can't use Gypsy Rose for our sick fantasies like like her mother did like we need to if you
0: want and if you want to learn more about her by the way watch the HBO documentary Mommy Dead and Dearest
1: but leave her alone twist
0: yeah leave her alone hopefully she joins Instagram so at least we can sort of like passively keep up with her but I love her. (laughs)
1: That was their celebrity news?
0: That was my celebrity news. I feel like I had one other celebrity piece of news, but I forget.
1: I know we have some fashion that we want to cover. We have... Yes.
0: Phoebe Philo is a flop.
1: With a PH.
0: With a PH. And here's what I mean by that. Phoebe Philo, for anyone who's not familiar, was is fashion designer, very celebrated sort of cult fashion designer mostly from her time at Celine she was sort of like the the foremost the foremost sort of like feminist high designer of a certain point in which by which i mean she was sort of creating these clothes that women loved to wear that maybe men quote unquote didn't understand it was about. And also, the female she was literally gaze, one the of the only gaze. women. <laughs> literally, one of the only women had designed, Yeah, designing a, a a you know Paris collection, but anyway, she designed Celine for a long time. Like the Trapeze bags, like all, created all these iconic bags, reinvented, uh, reinvigorated the Celine, the House of Celine, and then left the fashion industry for I want to say like ten years. And had there had been mumbles and, you know, she's the one who put Joan Didion in sunglasses for an ad. Like, she was that, like, just, like, thinking outside the box, but also, like, kind of uh, creating and defining what was in fashion in a lot of ways. Anyway, she spent 10 years out of the spotlight. Rumor had it she was starting her own thing or she was maybe going to Chanel or to there or to that. Anyway, she launches her own brand. But then it's like, is she going to launch it with a show at Fashion Week? Is she going to and how is she going to do it? She ends up launching it sort of like not with no regard to the fashion calendar, which is cool. She launches with all of these, you know, pictures of Daria Werbowy, Bowie, who was like her, you know, favorite model at the time, uh, the model that sort of she made all of her ads with,
1: with your anyway
0: tongue. she launches com. the first collection i guess maybe sells out the second collection dropped a few weeks ago and a lot of it's like s- still available i know a lot of people were trying to return it because it was running big and it has a very specific fit that like didn't make sense but like you can still buy a pair of trousers for $2200 a jacket for 3900 dollars a bag for 5800 dollars like a, and and it's all fine but like i was ta- thinking about it and like she was the fashion designer like she was the person that like everyone you know who cared about runway and wearing cutting edge fashion was wearing and I just feel like no one is talking or wearing like she tried to do this. She thought she was so big that she didn't have to like do press and, you know, do so like does like kind of very sort of she's not, massively. She's not
1: dressing influencers and celebs
0: and not really. I mean, she's doing a little bit of social media, but not really. And I think she this is kind of what it. we get.
1: Is she French or is she British or is she a I mix? Think she's, she's British. Camille, no, 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 not Phoebe. Camille Char- Char- Charchery. Charchery. You know what I'm talking about? She's an influ—she's a blonde influencer. She has a ton of followers. Like, she's a blonde fashion influencer. She's like 11 feet tall and like st- like a string bean. She looks good in everything. She Phoebe needs to like send her the whole collection and like have her take some pics, and then it'll sell because like she's not doing anything.
0: No, and I just think that it's sort of just given how like wildly successful her last thing was like i just think this whole it's it it feels it doesn't feel like she's creating trends it feels like kind of a rehash of what she's already done no i don't really see anyone wearing it i don't see it sort of like resetting conversations like she would like she would create like her first her first like her her celine collections would like create an entire like idea about jewelry those like kind of like abstract amorphous silver bangles that everyone was wearing were like you know her her idea the like hairy square toed shoes you know it was it, it was very man repeller um in a way and i just feel like it's she thought she didn't have to like play the game and that like fashion would still be the way that it was when she left. And it's just, I think that was a little presumptuous. She has a pair of studded bikini bottoms in gold polyamide for $1,200. Her
1: her biggest handbag, which is, it looks to be a little bit wider, but otherwise around the same size as like the biggest YSL bag, which I believe is like $5,000 and she's selling hers for 8500.
0: Yeah, it's just wild. It's just... And it just looks like no one's buying it.
1: You can buy all this stuff at the row or you can like google like 2008 YSL and get the same accessories.
0: Yeah, so I just wanted to make that statement that I was I just don't I think that fashion has moved on.
1: It sounds like you're actually not supporting all women right now.
0: No, I do support all women and I support her. I just think that there was maybe some hubris in launching this way. And she, in order for this to work, she's going to have to like get with the program. Like, I want to see her doing the savage dance on TikTok.
1: No, we don't. But they, these handbags are just outrageously priced i mean everything is in the collection which is why like the only thing that sold were her like cheapy like metal necklaces yeah i think they were like five hundred dollars or something a
0: chain necklace with a glass pendant <laughs> nothing fine nothing precious about it in terms of metals or jewels fourteen hundred dollars
1: <laughs> it's a lanyard. it's like you could lit you could get it lanyard. at h&m Oy.
0: it's gold-plated sterling silver
1: if I wanted, like, an oversized trench, I would go to the row. Yeah, and I would, and
0: you would get, like, the most exquisite version of the thing.
1: And go home, and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to think about it and come back, and then never come back because I can't right. afford it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that was my Phoebe Philo hot take.
1: That was crazy just to hear you be so negative.
0: Oh, here's the other thing I have to say. Which is there were two acquisitions over the last few days in terms in the beauty space that we should just mention. We don't. This I don't know if there's much up. to say. Unilever acquired K18, the hair brand.
1: Oh, Do you ever, have you
0: ever tried those products?
1: No, I've not been super experimental with my hair journey lately. But go ahead.
0: It's a brand that was all it was. It was a hair technology. It was you know kind of like Olaplex. Was the vibe, oh, yeah. I think? Oh, yeah. No, I knew
1: what it is. Yeah, yeah. It was like the um, new roll of
0: yeah. Right. It was and very, I really well. I think they have done really well. I've never tried it. I don't know anyone who uses it, but apparently people do because Unilever just acquired K18. And then the other one that was just acquired, Dr. Dennis Gross was acquired by Shiseido.
1: Oh, wow. Was yeah. that on the topping block too from the...
0: No, no, no. Dr. Dennis Gross has... I guess had been run privately uh, for years. Oh, I thought all
1: of these were the follow-up to the Biosan story. No, no.
0: Oh, the the Amorous fire sale? No, no. These are just two acquisitions that are unrelated. Got it. Okay. uh, Shiseido bought Dr. Dennis Gross. Unilever bought K-18. Dr. Dennis Gross, I guess, apparently was selling $300 million in retail sales per year at this point, which is insane. One of the highest, you know, biggest brands in Sephora—they're everywhere. I believe they're also in, you know, all the Blue Mercury. They're ev- Dr. Dennis Gross is everywhere. I think it was sort of—they uh, were one of the brands that chose ubiquity rather than like one selling lane.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Alpha Beta Peel you might have tried, or the Red Light Masks.
1: Oh, I, I use their peels all the time.
0: Yeah. Anyway, those are two acquisitions. But back to the Amaris fire sale, Amaris, the biotech company that tried to branch out into celebrity brands, but then went bankrupt and had to sell off all of its assets. I had an update, uh, which was that Naomi Watts bought back her brand Stripes, which was a menopause uh, brand for half a million dollars. And okay. Rosie Huntington-Whiteley bought back Rose Inc. for two point five million dollars. Jonathan Van Ness's brand JVN Hair, which I had heard was doing really well in Sephora, was mm-hmm. bought to uh, was bought by an investment firm called Winsong Global for one point two million dollars. Um, these numbers are just really depressing and low.
1: I mean, it's good for Rosie that she like could buy her own brand back for basically pennies on the dollar
0: yeah i mean i guess now she has to find someone you know Just she has to, to, to... It. <laughs> yeah exactly
1: but the thing is uh, it's like they're still on they still have like good retail placement at sephora like i went to the sephora and um in dallas before i came to la so quite recently and they were both like in the front of the store the sephora by the way the best sephora in dallas is the one in uptown which don't one? bother with the other ones you wouldn't know it, Nick. I don't think oh. you know Dallas well, do you? No. It's just really clean. It's a very organized. They, it's huge. They have everything. It's just like just go to that one. Don't go to the mall. All I've man, seen. oh, man. Um, good for Rosie. I was kind of surprised that she hadn't already done that.
0: Well, I think people were. I think people were surprised that the brand sold for like that one of all the brands. I think JVN and Rose Inc. were the ones that were the most surprising that they didn't find buyers. That you know, I, it goes to show that. I think the way that Amaris had probably structured things was like the profits from some of the brands were going to like pay for the marketing of other brands. You know, like so I bet the be financials so- must have been a mess and there wouldn't have been a ton of revenue for each brand or else they would have been sold as a multiple, you know, on a multiple of the revenue that they were making. An for you.
1: If you had a brand that was doing well and it was like
0: Well, that's what that's why Kristen S sued Mesa Group. Kristen right. S, the celebrity hair colorist, started her hair brand her, that's in Target with mm-hmm. Mesa Group, an like incubator.
1: A pretty pastel, like monochromatic packaging. Yes,
0: um, and then it was a, it went gangbusters, super successful. She ended up suing Mesa Group, and now she's no longer affiliated with the brand. And among the things she was alleging were that they were using the profits from her brand to fund the other things in their portfolio that she didn't have an interest in at the to the detriment of her brand. So, yeah, like I mean, that. I think this is also a little bit of a wake-up call to all of these incubators where they people think that you can just launch a bunch of different brands and have like one back of house, you know, one... And, and I just, you know, clearly it's not as simple as that.
1: It's gonna... We're gonna do like a not all... People kind of thing, not all investors, but I will say most investors are crooks and morons. So, allegedly, no, truthfully, it's here's what perfect. I think.
0: What I'll say is, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say crooks and morons, but I would say that most there's investors, a lot of investors
1: out there. Yeah, just
0: but I would say, I, like you my, know, yeah. you know, the good ones. <laughs> I would say that most investors have never operated a business. They are professional invest they're professional investors, and it is always hard to take direction and/ or advice and/or suggestions from people who've never actually been in the position that you're in as a brand founder. That said, I do know some like wonderful investors who have not operated brands themselves, but know when. To hold them, no one to show them, whatever. Yeah, no one to fold them, no one to give advice, and are incredibly helpful. Like Nick Brown at Imaginary Ventures is—he's like like
1: the premier, like he's the guy. Like you're going to say, who's a great guy investor? You would say
0: Nick Brown. But he's, but he to me, like, and I'm also disclaimer, he invested in a few of the companies that I've worked on, um and he's a friend of mine. But he is so he's helpful he gives constructive feedback and criticism and will help with anything that he can but real sort of meaningful help and whether it's like sourcing candidates for open positions or even just giving advice or insight into a different category like he's just one of those people that is incredibly helpful so and he's him being one of maybe 10 investors i've ever had in the businesses that I've started uh, has given me an impression, perhaps a completely false impression that like there are investors who can have come from non-operational backgrounds, but just be incredibly helpful. I call it like smart money. There's like dumb money. And then there's smart money.
1: There's also a ton of angels, like who is just like an individual that wants to like put in money who are like, they call them angels because (laughs) they're, they're great. They're angels. They and give they, you money and, yeah. And, and they don't usually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> usually angel investors or friends and family rounds don't have the types of like control that an institutional investor like a venture capital firm would have.
1: And you know what it is? It's the golden age of private credit. So
0: you heard this. And what does that mean?
1: It means that private credit firms, if my memory you can't not... use
0: the term to define the term. I was about so, to
1: say they are.
0: Okay. I'm
1: speaking in a plain sentence. Do you mind? This is a podcast. No, go. <laughs> Private credit firms are like taking a loan from a bank. They don't take a, any ownership percentage of your company, but they do charge interest on the loan. And it's just you're not taking money from a like traditional like institution like a bank it's structured differently it's just a loan it's a loan it's a loan and it's the golden age but you have to pitch to them just like you would to any like investment firm that does take a part of your business but lucky you you don't have to give anything away you just have to agree to the terms of the loan and it is the it's the golden age of private credit
0: i mean that i well i think the golden age of private credit also means that early stage financing for consumer products companies is really having a bad moment yeah there used to be there used to be so much money that like there used to be entire vc firms dedicated to giving money to pre-launch you know consumer it was brands
1: you could buy your customers on facebook for pennies like you could right literally, and so you could oh, just you know, create a like math equation I mean, not to say that obviously we did did other brilliant things to grow Glossier, but like that was definitely one of the main reasons that Glossier and and a lot of brands back then, like Warby, who else was like a major? um, Allbirds. What was the mattress brand? Casper. Casper. You could you could just buy buy customers like you knew everything was so predictable and cheap. You could like put make a model of your business and be like, okay, we're going to acquire you know twenty thousand customers this month and we're going to spend this much money and it was like yeah you could predict that and you can control that but now because basically three summers ago now i think google and facebook stopped sharing analytics and it made buying customers in that way and serving ads to customers extremely difficult to like target the right people that would buy your product because the data wasn't being shared and like You couldn't be as sophisticated as you once were with targeting people with your ads. And it was and it became really, really, really expensive to buy customers. And so that's why influencer marketing is like so crucial now, which is crazy. You would think like the golden age of influencing would be done, but it's not. It's just you have to get creative with how you market your products. Or like my whole thing is like you just have to make really good products. Like I'm sick of people just thinking – we talked about this before. Yeah. I, oh, but hold on. Can
0: I just say one thing just back to the golden age of private, private credit?
1: Okay. Okay. You can.
0: Just very quickly, which is that we – Casey and I tried to get a loan for ContraPosto. And I've started two success – three – I've been a co-founder of three successful businesses. Like Right. And uh, yeah, and we couldn't get a loan. I mean, this was after the interest rates. Where, where all... did you go bank? We went to the bank, but I think what is it? What the the reason why is because? And this is like the catch twenty two. I think it's a catch twenty two of like startups is that they're like, well, you don't have like, what are your sales? You're like zero.
1: <laughs> also, like, what like, what are you? investing the money and you're not investing into anything that like inventory where you could sell it and make money off of it and liquidate it in the end right Um, like if you're taking out a loan it should be to fund like an inventory purchase and like you don't have inventory to purchase for contraposto, right you one day but not now i was told i was told by my dear homie matt weiler former head of finance at glossier the other day that you do not Want to fund marketing, like anything that doesn't have like a solid like like if you're not buying something with the loan money, like that's not how you should finance it. Really? So that's why so I mean that's what he was like yeah. And and so anything you
0: can't sell off in worst case scenario. Right,
1: right, right. Because he was like, "What do you need this money for?" And I was like, "Well, I'm going to spend X amount on marketing, but like, you know, I'm not buying a ton of inventory." and he was like yeah no don't take out a loan <laughs> don't don't take out a loan for RK and explained it in that way. So, anyway, let's just say thank god I have rich parents. Right? That was a joke. <laughs> it was a
0: joke. <laughs> I just But much to- like in fashion that is probably why a lot of startup founders do come maybe not from like incredibly well incredible wealth, but certainly come from probably pretty Comfortable backgrounds because right. the economics of starting a company and making that friends zero, and family around is yeah.
1: becoming so important.
0: Yeah. It's right. Well, well, that's a great point, too. So you have to number one, have friends and family, have people in your network that have, have
1: friends, <laughs> ten, tens,
0: if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of disposable income that they're not that concerned about, you know, giving to a very risky investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, you out of that salary out of that fund amount that you've raised you can't really take a, a a market rate salary as a founder you have to take a really either nothing like zero salary as the founder because you want to put it all into hiring other people and whatever or you have to take the bare minimum that you can live off of which in a city like New York or LA or San Francisco is still you know high but you know if you're talking bare minimum you're not living you're not living, you're not flying high. So well, all of which is to nah, say, like, you have to have a cushion or you probably most people, you know, oh, who are making I that work for multiple years, like have some sort of a cushion because, you know?
1: Yeah. Even if you have a founder that's like, what are you talking about? My daddy didn't, is not funding my business. Like, daddy or mommy might be funding every other aspect of their life, which is essentially funding their business. Um Which is fine. I mean...
0: I mean, this is what I... I mean, it's in fucking the glossy Marissa Meltzer book that my I worked for $0 for two years with Emily. You did? Yeah.
1: Wait, it was in the book or it wasn't in the book?
0: It was in the book.
1: I work. Oh. We're so silly in that way, Nick. But you did it knowingly. I did it not... not I mean,
0: (laughs) I I did it knowingly, but like... We're yeah, just... no, I did knowingly, but that I wouldn't. It, you know, I made a compelling argument to my parents that like this was a worthy investment, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. still
0: wait, still waiting on, <laughs> still waiting. Oh, on... and your
1: parents, and your parents are helping you out.
0: Correct, because yeah. for two years I didn't take any. I didn't have a cell. I, I literally was like, I'll come to your apartment. I don't have. There's no money. I don't. I'm not. I won't take any money, but we'll just like build this into a big thing. you sacrificed so was... right all. I sacrifice, I listen. I put my, I put it all on the line.
1: You did. And mm-hmm. now?
0: Not to be condensed into an inaccurate fucking stereotype and a dumbass, salacious piece of fan fiction.
1: It's not even, I think mean, calling it salacious is giving it too much. No,
0: yeah. It's not even a boring <laughs> piece of fan fiction um, <laughs> that I still can get riled up about, but I don't really worry about.
1: I just I I just get riled up about like, how can you be so wrong? Like, how can you do zero research?
0: I just think that like, here's the here's what what, if people have one takeaway from that whole situation, it's Mm -hmm. that books are not fact checked, but magazines and newspapers generally are. There are no fact checkers for books, mm-hmm. even though Marissa Meltzer thanks her quote unquote fact checkers. There were none because she literally nobody... didn't
1: read. She didn't even read like my LinkedIn profile. Like, she
0: like Yeah.
1: Like, like she, there was no. Yeah. She probably thinks that's actually true. Like, the, like if she
0: looked at LinkedIn of the people that she was talking about, she wouldn't have gotten a lot of the timeline and chronology stuff wrong. So you're right about that. But there's just like books. But what's crazy is because a book seems much more permanent than a magazine or a newspaper sort of makes you feel like it's more true than something you read like on the internet and you know on newyorktimes.com or something but Mm -hmm. it's actually so much less like there's no accountability do should we do products of the week
1: yeah let's do it
0: my product of the week and i know that podcasting is not a visual medium but i want to give a shout out and this is kind of circling back to one of your products of the week a long time ago, which was Jacques-Marie Maj, the sunglass maker that I guess kind of had a big moment thanks to Succession. Yeah, like yeah. one of the characters wears a pair of these sunglasses, their eyeglasses and sunglasses that are prohibitively expensive, like mm-hmm. upwards of $800 for a pair of fucking sunglasses. However, there is one style that I literally asked like three people in my life what sunglasses they're wearing because they're just the perfect sort of classic yet a little retro but like flattering black kind of chunky acetate frame. And okay. they've all been wearing the same sunglass. And so now I'm convinced it's the Zephyrin.
1: But like what – is it a square it's kinda, of. It's
0: like, like a – like a newspaper reporter kind of shape, like a old-timey news, you know, like that sort of like classic thick-rimmed le- thick kind of thing called the Zephyrin, Z-E-P-H-E-R-I-N. And I'm now convinced that it is the best sunglass frame for Jews. If you have a Jewish face, <laughs> the Zephyrin by Jacques-Marie Maj is a slam dunk home run it's just it it, all that's all i'll say i'll leave it there
1: okay i don't know what you're talking about in terms of a jewish face i feel like
0: it's very kind of you
1: but i'm smiling and nodding because i support you and i and i trust your taste
0: what's your product of the week
1: my product of the week is so I had like kind of a crazy day this past week I drove Casey's car to Beverly Hills Saks, did a little shopping I thought I was going to a party ended up having a very stressful time that evening and decided just to stay home but I did get my nails done and the color is OPI big apple red and it's the most boring choice that you could make at first blush but you wear it for the day and the color kind of cures and it is like the perfect red i just love catching myself in the mirror with this like coca-cola red nail it just looks so good so that is my product of the week sorry it's a boring sorry it's a classic what it's it's
0: coca-cola red is the idea
1: no, it's called, well, the name of the color is called. No, no, Blue right. Apple. But like
0: describing the red, it's like that. Yeah, it's, it's a like very.
1: It's just mm-hmm. the perfect, like bluey, not too orange red. And like I said, it looks better the second day, like after it's cured for a day, like the color gets better. And then after that, so I had these wet nails and I go to get Casey's car and drive it back to your house. And I, the key wasn't working. And I remembered seeing a warning driving there on the little TV inside the car that the battery was low and the key fob. And I'm thinking, okay, like, I'm sure, like, I'll be fine. Cutting it into the car. So I was like, great. Took an Uber all the way home. And I got the little manual key that's supposed to unlock this car. Take an Uber back. <laughs> 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 Cannot get into the car. Nick already, tell- Nick already knows the story because he was a crucial part of it.
0: She's and he's car. now texting me being like, I'm locked out. The key doesn't work. The car won't open. Yes. What do I do? And this I am like, I don't know. Phone.
1: My phone is like on 20%. So I'm like, fuck. Okay. So I look up the nearest like drugstore and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to put a battery in this key. So I, I walk 10 minutes to like the Rite Aid. I am with my wet nails on... Like taking this child proof packaging from this, like round little battery disc. I break open the key, I put the new battery in. I'm all right, finally, I can get my night started. I walk all the way back to the car, nothing doesn't work. I'm like YouTubing, like how to get into this car, duh, 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 and my phone is like almost dead. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to deal with this tomorrow. I go up to the woman at the at, like, the desk. Valet,
0: like the, yeah, the valet.
1: Yeah, like, at stand. the gate. Like, you have to drive through a gate to get out of the parking lot. And I'm like, listen, my key is dead. I cannot get in my car. I'm going to have to deal with this in the morning. And I'm like, are you going to tow my car? No, of course, we won't tow your car. It's fine. You We all have to pay the overnight rate. So I go home. I'm, like, exhausted. I don't go out. The next morning, I take an Uber back to this parking lot. The car is gone. So I call... <laughs> I tell the woman. There's another woman at the gate. She's like, "No, we didn't tow any cars." And I'm like, "Okay, well, this car is gone. Like, you need to check So your now rate. she
0: texts me, and she's like, "The car, your car's not here.
1: The car was um, stolen.
0: It was stolen." And so I am in Utah with Casey's family, and I am like, "Okay, like, I'm googling like how to locate an Audi e-tron." And they're like, in order order for us to let me too, but like they said, in order for us to like track it, you have to give us a police report number, case number. (laughs) So then I'm like, okay, I called 911 and they're like, 911, what's your emergency? And I'm like, okay, my, I was like, my sister (laughs) left my car in a parking lot and it's, we think it's been stolen. And she was like, okay, what's your location? I was like, Saks Fifth Avenue in Beverly Hills. And she was like, sir, this is the Utah <laughs> this is the Utah nine one one line. I was like, okay, can you patch me? Can you connect me to L.A.
1: Patch me for LA. And she was like,
0: <laughs> she was like, I don't know what the L.A. police department phone number is. And I was like, well, neither do I. I thought it was nine one one. And she was like, no, it's not nine one one.
1: Anyway, so when Nick calls the police. I'm on the phone with the head of security for Saks. I'm like, how do we get this? Place? And this woman is like, what kind of car was it again? I was like, it was an Audi. And I just want to say, I was being very nice to her. I wasn't being like crazy. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I feel insane right now.
0: <laughs> because? And she, was like,
1: and she was like, you, no, I'm saying up until this point, I wasn't like freaking out or anything. I was just like, I, this is so weird. <laughs> and she was like, what kind of car was it? I was like, it was an Audi. It was like, and she was like, but was it a big car? I was like, yeah, I was like a, you know, midsize SUV. And she was like, she was like, come, she was like, no, no, no. She's like, come, come walk and just make sure. And we walked by this other car and I, and the light blinked on it. Cause I guess I was like holding the key. And I was mm. like, but that's not, that's not the car. And she's like, that's your car. I had been trying to get into the wrong car the whole time the night before. And I, it was just, hence
0: why the key didn't work.
1: The most humiliating.
0: And that the wrong car was driven by a di- by its its rightful owner off the lot, hence why it wasn't there.
1: I was trying to Our, break my into car, somebody else's car.
0: Yeah. So there's that. So
1: um anyway, so thank you to no thank you to the Utah police.
0: Yes, thank you to the Utah police for for stopping me from calling nine one one. And it, uh the other thing.
1: Oh, we have a bonus episode coming up.
0: We have a bonus episode so coming already... out. Sign up for our Patreon because you thought this was raunchy and real. You have you haven't heard anything. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jonathan Cornman and edited by AJ Mosley. We are on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Eyewitness Beauty. Every dollar that we get from our patrons goes into making this podcast it is we like to affectionately call it it a vanity project it pays our rent it It funds our allows us to continue to do this and for that we are eternally grateful until next week we'll see you soon bye